Welcome into the Reds Hot Stove League. Presented by Budweiser and UDF, we are coming to you live from Camelback Ranch in Glendale, Arizona, after the Reds just got done beating up on the White Sox 11-4 with the Cowboy Jeff Brantley. I'm Tommy Thrall. Thanks for joining us today. You can always call in 1-800-THE-BIG-ONE or 749-7000. We'll love to hear from you. A lot to get to today, and we'll hear from Reds manager David Bell coming up a little bit later on. Well, Jeff, we saw some things today. Got to see some pitchers we haven't seen. Anthony DiSclefani, Luis Castillo made their spring debuts today. Tanner Roark made his second appearance of the spring. So we'll start there with Tanner Roark as we talk pitching to open up the show today. What would you like out of Tanner Roark? You know, it, it almost looks as though Tanner Roark, he just, all he needs to do is just start to add innings. It looks like all of his pitches are ready. And they they probably are not, but it, he gives that appearance because he looks so confident on the mound. He gets the ball. He's ready to make a pitch. He's very aggressive. Uh, he did give up an opposite field home run today. Those those are things that that's like a blip on the radar. It doesn't bother me a bit. The thing that I I love about Tanner Roark, he's always challenging hitters that come to the plate and trying to make pitches. The ability to change speed, especially with breaking ball and change up. Um, I, I really like this kid. I'm looking forward to watching him in a Reds uniform this year. One walk, two strikeouts today for Tanner Roark. And then Luis Castillo made his spring debut today. Gave up a run on two hits and one inning of work. Uh, Luis Castillo at times looked pretty solid. Other times kind of lost command, fell behind a little bit. Well, I, I think the key for for Castillo is staying out of the, the middle of the plate with his fastball. We, we've seen so many times, really over the last couple of years, where he throws that changeup and he makes even great hitters look very foolish. Now, obviously, you can't throw a changeup every single time, but he's got a, a mid to upper 90s fastball every pitch. And as long as he stays out of the middle of the plate with that pitch, it seems like those are the games where he really has tremendous success. Now, whether that's I don't I don't think that's a me mechanical adjustment. I think it's an, a, men a mental adjustment for that young man. First time out today, his arm looked great, his changeup looked great, and to me, that's a great step in the right direction. One guy that I thought looked outstanding today, and I think you liked him as well, was Vladimir Gutierrez. Uh, you, we've seen him a couple of times this spring now, and it seems like both times he's looked pretty sharp. Well, when you're seeing three different pitches that the kid can throw for strikes, does not seem to be enamored by the, the big league atmosphere here in spring training. Uh, very good changeup, great arm action, fastball in the, in the mid-90s. He threw a couple of breaking balls today, one uh, to start off a batter for a strike, one that he threw. On a 1-1 count, both of them with good bite, still able to get it over the plate for a strike. Uh, this, is a, this is a kid that once he gets to where he learns himself even better, I, I think we'll see him. But he, he's somebody that you want to put in the back of your hat because you know he's going to come quickly. Well, we've talked a lot about the abundance of outfielders. There's some prospects. There's some pitching prospects, too that are right on the verge of the big leagues. Gutierrez is part of that. Tyler Malley obviously got his taste last year. We don't know where he's going to end up to start the season. Same with Sal Romano. So there's still some spots up for grabs, and there's still some guys that are knocking on the door of the big leagues. It, it, how do you, I, I guess I don't want to ask how do you manage that because as a pitcher, I guess you just have to keep going out and, and pitching, but there's, there's certainly some guys that are ready to fill some holes if they become available. Well, you have to understand that 
very, very, it's very rare that you have the same five guys making the starts every fifth day in April and continuing on making those same five starts when you get to September. There are injuries in the game. There are guys that you want to maybe limit innings. You push them back a little bit. And, and that's where depth in your system really helps you. And, and I think the, the names that you just mentioned with Malley and, and, and there are several other guys. I mean, not even, not even talking about Gutierrez right. yet. There are several other guys. But what you want to see is consistency from those other guys, whether they're here in the big leagues pitching out of the bullpen or whether they're in Louisville and AAA. The, the ones that are the most consistent are the ones that will get the initial opportunities when there is a spot to be fulfilled. And I want to get to Anthony DeSclafani in a minute, but while we're on the topic of this, how difficult is it? Because you've got to figure just with the spots available, somebody's going to end up going to AAA that wants to be in the big league. So it, when you get that assignment, if you're handing out that assignment, I'll ask you from, your, from a pitcher's perspective. If you're getting that assignment, how do you get that news and not get discouraged, and how do you take that and, and use that as an understanding of, hey, I'm still part of this team's plans. I just have to keep going out and doing what I need to do to be effective at the major league level. So how do you, how do you stay, I guess, positive in a situation like that? Well, I, I was always taught that you, you get yourself ready to pitch in the big leagues, whether you're in the minor leagues or, or A-ball, double-A, whatever. And, and the reason that you do is because even if your club is 10, 15 deep in starting pitchers and you're number 16, the rest of the clubs out there and their 29 other clubs are not. So – the better that you pitch, you, you it may not be for the Reds. It, it, like for the White Sox today, may not be for them. But what it is, what you're doing every time you take the ball every fifth day, you're showcasing yourself. So prove yourself every single time out. Nick Zell had a big day today. Of course, the Reds have added a couple of pieces in camp as well. We saw two of those, both Derek Dietrich and Jose Iglesias. We'll talk about them when we come back. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by Budweiser and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back to the Reds Hot Stove League show presented by Budweiser and UDF. The Cowboy and I coming to you live from Camelback Ranch here in Glendale, Arizona. Finally got some good weather today, Cowboy. It's the best day we've had yet, and I only, I get, it's only going to get better from here. I mean, we had some cold weather those first, um, first week there, but I, I think as we move forward, it's going to get warmer, and... This is just one of those places that as it gets warmer, there are no clouds in the sky, and every day is beautiful. Boy, you're not kidding. All right, if you've got a question for us, give us a call, 749-7000 or 1-800-THE-BIG-ONE. Registration is now open for the official baseball and softball camps. The Cincinnati Reds campers received their own Reds uniform, instruction from a Reds coach, guest appearance by a current Red star, free tickets and more, plus sign up before March 1st and receive a $25 discount registered today at reds.com slash camps. One of the things we were talking about to open the show was pitching. We didn't get to it uh, in that first segment, but I want to go back to it just because I thought it was something and a good observation you made during the game. Anthony DiSclefani made his spring debut today, and he looked a little different to you. Just a mechanical adjustment, like he was getting shorter on the backside with his throwing arm, trying to get on top of the baseball quicker. And the reason that you do that is to be able to get the ball down, more of a downward angle towards the plate instead of a flat angle with the sinker. Instead of the sinker moving east to west, it's moving a little more north to south. Uh, his velocity was very good today. The breaking ball, instead of being flat, was going straight down. 
uh, he looked awfully good, and his command was awfully good as well. I know that there are certainly some things that he came into the season really wanting to work on. Uh, he wants to have a big year this year. I mean, he's putting, I think he's putting a lot of pressure on himself. Well, I, I think the key for, for Di Sclafani is being healthy, and he's had some injury issues in the past where he's had to start spring training late. He had the elbow issue a couple of years ago. I think for Anthony, if he can get himself out of spring training and be healthy and ready to go, he can be a tremendous asset for this Reds rotation. We've talked so much about the outfield depth that this team has. They're getting some depth on the infield as well. And I know we've talked a lot up here about how much different the bench is going to look and how much improved the bench will be, regardless of who makes this team over where it was a season ago, and I think it got even stronger just with the addition of Derek Dietrich and Jose Iglesias, two guys that signed minor league deals, but you don't bring those guys in if you don't want them to make your team. Yeah, I think that anytime you can add the extra competition in spring training and still get those guys some at-bats, I think it benefits your club as a whole. I think the competition in the outfield has really I mean, even with a veteran like Matt Kemp and Yasiel Puig, uh, these guys realize they've got to play. They've got to be able to put results and numbers on the board, and that's going to indicate whether they're going to get a majority of the playing time or not. And I think the same can be true for guys like you mentioned with Dietrich and Iglesias. If they want to be the guys that are going to be the middle infielders that are on the bench and maybe come in into the ball game for a defensive replacement or double switches, whatever it may be, those numbers have to be proved here in spring training. And it seems like anymore you can't just be a good defender. You've got to be able to give teams something off the bench offensively. Well, the, that's the one thing that the Reds have really lacked uh, for quite a few years, and, and a lot of it is just monetary issues. But I, I think we're in a position now with the Reds. Uh, you, you've got guys that may be big leaguers that, that – may end up in the minor leagues in the from a pitching standpoint well the same can be true said the same can be said as far as position players as well you would much prefer to be in a situation uh with your big league club to where you need to go to the minor leagues you can pull up a big leaguer as opposed to a triple a player there's a big difference there well it, it what it does is it increases your depth and it, it increases your confidence from uh, a general manager or a president standpoint knowing that whoever you bring up, you don't have to worry about their ability to play. You know you can plug them in and, and they can take care of business. And I think when you're competing in a division that the Reds are in the National League Central, every day is a dogfight. It really doesn't matter who you're playing. Everybody can beat everybody on a given day, so you've got to bring your A game. And if you do have some injuries or you do have some guys that are out for, for some time, you want to be able to have that depth, whether it be at AAA or whether it be off of your bench. This is the Reds Hot Stove League coming up in a little bit. We'll hear from Reds manager David Bell. Sign your son or daughter up for the coolest club in all of Reds country. For only $30, your child can become a Reds Heads Kids Club member and get an exclusive backpack, jersey, Joey Votto bobblehead, free Reds tickets, members-only experiences, and more. Purchase today at Reds.com slash Kids Club will take your phone calls as well, 749-7000. Nick Senzel was back in center field today. Uh, this is his second game out there. We didn't get a chance to see him do a whole lot in his first game. Made a couple of throws, 
Now, those were a couple of plays in that game that could fly under the radar because you're just throwing the ball back in, but they were in situations where there were guys on base and they were, they were smart throws. Well, anytime as an outfielder that you can keep the double play in order, I, I think that's a, that's a pitcher's best friend. Uh, you can always air it out and show your arm off trying to nail a guy at third. The chances of getting him a lot of times are very slim. You keep that double play in order, it gives your pitcher great confidence. Uh, as I said during the ball game, I don't think we're going to have to worry about Nick Senzel at the plate. I think he can handle that part of playing in the big leagues. The, the big key that you look for with Nick in center field is being able that that first step jump off the, as the ball comes off the bat. And you also look for how he plays the ball as he gets to the track and heading to the wall. You don't have to worry about that so much at shortstop and third base when he was coming up and playing in, at the University of Tennessee. Now you're in a situation where a guy drives a ball over your head and you've got to go back to the wall full speed. You have to learn how to play that. Only game situations can teach you that. The one play that maybe came close to that was the ball that he had to go after today in the right center field gap where it ricocheted off the wall, Karen passed him. But that's a smart play to go at it aggressively against the wall there because you know the right fielder's coming over. In this case, it was Pleak to come over and play the Karam. And it does not did not seem to be any any panic or any tiptoe steps as Senzel got towards the wall. He made a nice running catch right up against the wall, a basket catch early in the ball game, and then that ball hit high on the wall. Uh, if it's down a little bit more, he's got to play on it uh, because it was not. It was up high on the wall. It caromed off. Puig was there. They held the guy to a double. It's a double either way if you don't catch it. Well, he uh, it seemed to look pretty comfortable overall today. He got a few more chances, and when you talk about him being successful at the plate, he was three for three today, including a bases-clearing double. He looked really comfortable in the box. He does. He looks comfortable at the plate, and I think over a period of time as you start to mix in breaking balls and change-ups, and, and the way the game is translated now, everybody knows what your weakness is before you ever head to the plate. And Nick is one of those guys, I think he's a, a very smart player. He understands himself, and he'll make the adjustments as he moves along at the big league level. Optimism and some serious competitions at a lot of different positions has made camp pretty fun so far, and we're just about a week into games, so a long ways to go. And the guy that's in charge of trying to figure out who's going to be on this team and who's going to Louisville or elsewhere is Reds manager and first-year manager David Bell. He's going to join us when we come back. This is the Reds Hot Stove League presented by Budweiser and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back to the Reds Hot Stove League. We're joined now by Reds manager David Bell. David, I'm sure the offseason has been something of a whirlwind for you. Got a new job, and with that job, you had to put a whole staff together. So what's this whole process been like for you? Well, it, it has been. It's been incredible. It really has. And, um, you know, the good thing was the entire winter I was, uh, you know, working really closely with the front office. And um, it, it allowed me to get familiar with the ballpark and the people around the stadium. And, and um, you know, certainly I reached out to the players and did as much preparation as, as I could. And, and um, once we put the staff in place, um, we really spent the entire winter uh, working and preparing and, and so that we could come in here and, um, be prepared so in a, in a way it's been I feel like I've been on the job for a lot longer than just a few days here in spring training which is is good because it's uh, you know it is a lot of new right now and um, you know 
if I wouldn't have had that time this winter, I wouldn't feel as comfortable as I do now. Talk about the process of putting your staff together. You got two really good coaches, pitching and hitting coach from good situations. So what's that process like when, when you target somebody and then realize, all right, now I got to find a way to get these guys here. Um, very in depth, you know, and, and, um, exhaustive. I mean, it, we, we went through quite a process. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, um, going through the process of identifying guys, spending the time on the phone, spending the time in person. One of the things during even my interview process, we talked about, um, if I was to get the job was how important it was to put the absolute best staff in place. We just feel like it was more important in today's game than it ever has been. Uh, we had the, I had the support, we had the resources to go out and really, uh, put together a great staff. So, um, a lot of, a lot of long conversations on the phone, uh, um, talking to these candidates who really had other options and, um, it, it was necessary to, to not sell them, but to tell them exactly, you know, why this was a good place to be. And in the end, it could not have worked out better. I'm thrilled with the staff we have. And, um, you know, I knew that coming in, but just over the last week, it's become more clear why it was worth going through all that time and energy to, to get the best people. I look at this from the outside and I think, boy, a first time manager, spring training, there's so much going on. That is just overwhelming for me to look at. What's that like as a manager, your first camp that you're running, how did you put this all together and, and how do you come up with a plan? Yeah, um, it's, you try to think of everything and, and I did and uh, it, I did try. <laughs> um, and you, it's just like anything, you know, it, it, you prepare, you over-prepare, and no matter how, how much you think of, there's always new things that pop up. But I think being prepared, you can adapt better and, and be able to adjust. And, and um, I try to remind myself and our staff and, and the players that it's never going to be perfect. Um, but if we can, you know, do everything we can to, to prepare and, and, and control the, you know, the things we can, then we're going to, we're going to have success. So I'm trying to take that same approach myself where, you know, we're, uh, we don't want anything to sneak up on us too much. And so far it's been, been smooth, but, uh, um, you know, we're, we're starting games now and we're, we're, um, spending a lot of time today, you know, thinking about lineups and things like that. So it should get more and more fun as well. You see somebody as a first-year manager, and sometimes you forget, hey, this guy's been around baseball for a long time, and you have. So as you look back on, on your playing career, coaching career, you've had an opportunity to get a lot of theories, get a lot of baseball knowledge from a lot of different managers. Is there something or someone that really stands out to you that you kind of really model yourself after as a manager? I mean – my dad for sure you know i mean he we've i've been so you know fortunate to be his son for all these years you know and both as a player and a coach and um he's just a a great sounding board and resource and um you know i i trust him so he, i can run anything by him and of course now we work in the same organization so that that will always be the case um but at the same time i mean I'm really grateful for all the different experiences I've had. And I've been, because of that, um, just been fortunate to be around a lot of great people, you know, a lot of great teammates, played for, 
really successful managers, um, and then just kind of being willing to um, to take on new challenges, as uncomfortable as it was at times, and as much as w I had to move my family around, I, I that that really helps with the confidence of, of walking into a situation that I, I, I haven't been in and um, and having some confidence that we'll figure it out. But, um, you know, I look in this organization back 10 years ago when I took my first job as a, as a minor league manager, um, a lot of the same people that um, really helped me with that process are still here and in this clubhouse, Billy Doran and Freddie Benavides. I, I worked for both of them and they're, you know, Freddie's on the staff. Billy's a part of, of a big part of our organization. So I have a lot of resources to, to help me on a day-to-day -day basis. Reds manager David Bell joining us. And you talked about your dad. You grew up around the game with your dad and his involvement in baseball and managing for a long time. Do you remember a specific point where you really fell in love with the game of baseball? Uh, yeah, yes. You know, it was um, – it's, it was like when I was three years old. <laughs> it's kind of kind of sad looking back. <laughs> but uh, but no, you know. And then being knowing that at a, at a really really early age, and then having the opportunity to be around the clubhouse and be around the game, be around spring training every year. Um, it was it was like a a dream childhood because I did know what I wanted to do. And and looking back, it was it it couldn't have been any better. It was so much fun. Um, but I also think. Um, when I when I think about act, the actual love of the game, I think of my grandpa, and and I think it was because of the way he, the way he spoke about um, the game, the way he spoke about his teammates. He was a great storyteller, and hearing the the passion in his voice of someone that I, you know, I looked up to so much, it was like, wow, this is this is a good direction I want to go in. So. I think he he really kind of um, developed that love. Are there things that you've been told from your grandfather, your dad, that stand out to you that, that maybe pieces of information that still run through your mind on a consistent basis? Yeah, in absolutely. There's there's a few things that um, will never leave me, and it's kind of they they probably sound like cliches, but they when they sent them to me, they. They meant it, and they had experienced it, and they knew what worked, and you know, just basic stuff like, um, you know, controlling what you can and working hard, and um, just doing your best, having fun when you play. I, I wasn't great at that, but I, <laughs> but I, but I, I, I did always keep that with me, and 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 really, um, what it always came back to was like being the best teammate you could be, and remembering that really out there trying to win a game you know and it's it, that should be fun but it, it's also a team game and the importance of helping your teammates around you be the best they can be so that that's a big part of what I talk about to this day and 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 realize is really important um, because I, I do think you can control that and I think you can create a great edge when people work well together we're back with more with Reds manager David Bell right after this on the Reds Hot Stove League presented by Bud Light. Welcome back to the Reds Hot Stove League with Reds manager David Bell. And David, the game's a little different now with a lot more information. And with that new influx of information and analytics, how might the game actually look a little different on the field to some of the fans? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I think 
you think I think you kind of you answered it in that we're going to try to take in all available information and you know there's certainly the the communication the being in touch with your players um, trusting what you're seeing but also taking in information that can confirm a lot of that it can it can um, bring up questions that you might want to ask to to make sure we're not missing anything I mean you have there's so much information with the video technology um, statistics that can help you prepare for an opponent we're going to take in all that all that information and um, you know look to to make the best matchups each day but also balance that with the psychology of um, keeping people happy like we're talking about and making sure that um, we're factoring everything in but certainly analytical information if we're not taking in that information we're going to put ourselves at, at a disadvantage and the key and the trick is just taking that in being able to communicate it properly to our players um, and being able to um, factor that in with the human element and making the best decision we possibly can. When you look at lineup construction, I know that's something that you guys have been working on here recently. How do those numbers, you know, play a factor in that? And, and, and how do you think you want to build a lineup based on the information and, and guys' tendencies? Yeah, that, that's a great example. Um, you know, I think there is a, an edge that can be created by putting um, hitters that profile in certain ways in the best position of a lineup. And um, it, again, has to be a balance of communication on keeping guys comfortable where they're hitting, um, but also being able to um, follow some guidelines that, that make sense when, you know, and, and what creates the, the, uh, you know, the best way to maximize the lineup. You have, you know, on base, for, for the at the leadoff spot something that I had never looked at in the past but makes complete sense is you you would want one of your best hitters if not your best hitter hitting second not necessarily third certainly you want one of your top hitters hitting third and then um, in the fourth spot potentially it, it might be your best over uh, overall hitter um, and definitely if they have power to add to that they they would slot in nicely in the fourth spot we have a lot of guys in our that will be in our lineup that could could really f uh, fit into any of those positions. You look at Joey Votto, and I think I just described him in four different ways. So there's a lot of flexibility there. But a lot of times when you're building a lineup, you can talk about it for an hour or two, and it's fun, and, and you don't really know where you, how you get to the place you land. So following some of these these guidelines can help guide those decisions. Let's talk about the – this spring and in the battles that are in store you got to figure out who's going to start on opening day you've got a plethora of outfielders and you've got a spot open in center field when you look at all of this as you try to process it what's the most exciting part that you're you're looking at and you're kind of watching for that'll just settle itself yeah i i do always believe that it plays itself out and um but from a player standpoint you know there's that uncertainty can can get to you and you know we had a rain we happened to have a rain day today and we got to spend a lot of time catching up with guys and uh, communicating what the first week's going to look like for them and and that part we feel like we can be great at and um, because it can be uh, it, it can be a tough time because with all the uncertainty and so you look at our outfield um, 
great problem to have. You know, we have really five or six guys that could really be starters in, in, on a major league team. Um, that'll be a challenge, but I also believe that um, over the course of the year, they're all going to contribute, and um, we'll, ha we'll have to figure that out as we go. And, you know, I think that's kind of the obvious challenge. Um, you, know, you look at our pitching now, too. I mean, with the, the depth that we added, there's going to be some tough decisions there as well. Again, a lot of guys that may st not start the year with us will end up contributing a lot. So um, when to have a, a, a competitive team and the, a championship team that we're committed to putting on the field, these are some of the problems you have to deal with. And so I, I'm, I feel like it's we're all grateful to be in a position where our biggest challenge is trying to find playing time for good, really good players. That's it with Red Skipper David Bell. Jeff and I are back to wrap it up after this. It's the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by Bud Light. Welcome back to the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by Budweiser and UDF. Jeff Brantley, I'm going to call tomorrow. We're going to see Tony Santian get the start for the Reds. What have you seen out of him? What do you like about him? Well, you, you see a big body first and, and a big arm. And what I really noticed in his first time out, uh, there's no fear in this kid. And, and that's, a, that's a great feeling for a former pitcher because you, you see the stuff, you see the body, and now you know his mentality. And when you've got guys like that that are not scared of big league hitters and are not intimidated by big league hitters, uh, they can come in a hurry. It seems like it, we're getting to that point in spring training as well where guys are starting to get stretched out. We saw that a little bit today with Roark. Uh, maybe we'll see that a little bit more with Santian. i got to imagine as pitchers, especially as starters, they like that feeling knowing that, hey, I'm out there for more than just one inning. Yeah, I, I think anyone that is scheduled to be starting as the season begins, regardless of whether you're in the, in the big leagues or not, uh, those innings begin to, to get stretched out and your appearances start to be stretched out as well. And I, I think for a lot of these guys, uh, when you're not throwing two, three, four innings, you realize that maybe your number is, is scheduled for the bullpen. And, and that's a tough pill to swallow for some people that think they're going to be starters. Well, the Reds win it today. Should be a fun one tomorrow. The Reds are back home at Goodyear to play the Brewers. 3.05, first pitch in that one. That's all the time we have for today's Reds Hot Stove League, presented by Budweiser and UDF. For Jeff Brantley, I'm Tommy Thrall. Hope you join us tomorrow as the Reds play the Brewers from Goodyear. Marty and I will be on the call. That's all for today from Glendale. Have a great night.